we can't control every interaction that somebody actually has with our people, whether that's customer service, talking to an actual customer of ours, whether it's sales, talking to a prospect, to those people interacting with our company, that is our brand. Hello, and welcome to this episode of People at Work. I'm Dustin, and I'll be your host today. So as always, People at Work is brought to you by Jostle. We're all overwhelmed at work a lot of the time, lots of information. Sometimes it's hard to feel connected with your coworkers. And intranets are supposed to solve this, but usually they don't. So we finally built an intranet that tames that and really helps connect your people, um, especially in these times we really need to keep people together. And I'm really excited today to be speaking with Will Devlin, who is the VP of Marketing at Message Gears. Um, and today it's a really interesting conversation around making that transition from a player coach to a leader within a company, something I've done myself and Will has as well. And we'll also be chatting a little bit about how you can own company culture as a marketing leader and why that actually makes a lot of sense for marketing to be one of the key culture drivers in your company. So Will, thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to learning from you. Thanks, Dustin. It's really a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So I guess a great place to start would be Maybe give a little bit of your background, what Message Gears is all about, and how you kind of got to where you are today in your career. Sure. So I am the VP of Marketing at a company called Message Gears. We are a customer marketing platform for large B2C businesses. So companies like uh, Expedia and Rakuten and Chick-fil-A use us to send millions, if not hundreds of millions of email and uh, mobile marketing campaigns every month. So we're, we're, the, we're the software that powers them to, to be able to send those messages. We've been in business since 2010. I've been with the company for five and a half years and was their first, first marketing leader. I've, I started my career in the online retail and e-commerce space. So I was on the sort of the, the, the brand side, the, the user side of this type of software that message gears sells. Mm -hmm. And then I've been in the, the B2B technology space for, for roughly nine years now. Nice. So when you started and you said you were their first marketing leader, did you come in as kind of a sole contributor, first marketing hire, or was it more you took over a team initially? <laughs> I did. I was, uh, I was employee number seven and I was the first marketing hire period. So I was the, the, like they knew they needed marketing. It was a, a group of developers that had been working on this this product for a number of years and yeah. they had made a, a sales hire and then they, they said, we don't know how to do marketing. So <laughs> here's, here's a laptop and, and go get them. Yeah. So I, I had a similar experience, slightly larger. Um, but even with my current company, when I started, I was the third person in marketing. Uh, and then within a month, both of them had moved on. So I, I had a, <laughs> I had a nice. similar thing thrown kind of into the fire. Um, how big is your marketing team now? The marketing team, including myself is five people. Okay, nice. So I, I'd love to chat about that transition. Like I know firsthand when you start and you're the first marketing person, you're the one coming up with the ideas, executing them, testing if they worked, the whole gamut. Mm -hmm. So how, how did you find that transition from doing everything to kind of going into more of a leadership guidance role? Yeah. How, how was that transition for you? I, I wish I could say it was smooth, but it was bumpy. <laughs> and I think, it, I think, the more I've talked to folks that have gone through that, that transformation as well, it's, it's rarely smooth. And I think it's, when I first started at Message Gears, everything, like you said, soup to nuts was me on the marketing side. So not yeah. only what are we going to be working on, but then actually developing it 
actually implementing it, I had to learn, you know, I was writing blog posts. I was producing my own content webinars, updating the website. I was hacking together design. It was, it was literally just me. And to go from that to say, okay, we're scaling this business and we need more resources. And what do you need, Will? What does marketing need? What's the right, right choice? And then making the right hires and letting those people take over some of the things that you've built and, and probably doing it differently. And yeah, <laughs> was, was a major transition for me. And, and so that was, you know, really going from that individual contributor to that player coach where I'm still very heavily involved. That was step one. And then as we've continued to scale and brought the marketing team even further, further up the, the stream, thinking through, okay, now I really have to keep backing out and make sure everybody has what they need and we're all swimming in the right direction. And that is a much different role as well. So yeah, it's, it, it wasn't necessarily smooth. I obviously have weathered through it, but it, it's just a, almost a different mindset that you have to put yourself in. Yeah, I think it's definitely a total mind shift. And I think there's also, there's definitely learning, but there's also a lot of unlearning there as well, right? Like oh, you have to, yeah. you have to drop old habits. So I'm curious, maybe what were, what were some of those things that made that transition a little rough and were maybe a little harder to drop or change? I, I'm one of those people that I like tinkering and building things. And I like, I like doing it a particular, doing something a particular way, whether it's a report or whether it's a process or something. And there were times, especially early on in this, where I would cling to something that I built or that I just always done because I felt like that was easier than handing it off or I, yeah. I could do it better. Realizing that, you know, looking back, the the time involved, my time has to be spent on other things. And if they're mundane tasks, no matter how mundane I feel like they are, how easy I think it is, that was that I think the rockier part at the very beginning was was really being a good delegator and saying, I need you to take this over and you're gonna make mistakes, but make them and let's talk about them like just like I did, right? And mm-hmm. I think I was reluctant to do that. And that was a major upfront for me was it it just ends up creating more work in the long run. Yeah. I I totally get that. Delegating is, is not easy. (laughs) I've been through that as well. And I think part of the struggle there is yeah, you think probably think you could do it maybe a little better, but it's also a speed thing, right? Like, you know, Oh, I've done this before. I can just, I'll get it done in five minutes, but then the person you hired doesn't actually learn how to do it and they don't grow. And I go back to the, it also then prevents you from that mind shift, right? It it keeps you in the weeds and it keeps you in a very operational focus versus kind of taking a step back and looking at the entire landscape. And and that, that is not something like I can work on this for an hour and then be strategic for an hour, right? You really have to completely immerse yourself in, in that line of thinking. And so that was for me, a, an eye opener of like, you know, it, it's preventing me from, from doing the things that I want to be doing and want to be growing into. Yeah, it, definitely. And I think as, as the role grows and you do take on that leadership role, like you said, it is more about kind of the vision and the strategy and the direction. But you also, it's this weird two-way thing, right? Like you need to know a little bit of the weeds to understand what's going down at the ground level and they need to understand the vision. So that back and forth communication 
can be a little tricky to, to get right, I think. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I, I guess the other thing, so we talked a little bit about that, that mind shift and delegating, which I would consider a skill uh, that has to be learned and practiced. Were there any other kind of skills or personality traits that you, you either had to change or, or acquire to really make that shift work? I used to be very mindful of staying in my lane, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is other department heads that were hired to do different roles, whether it's sales or customer service or even IT, I, I would have my viewpoint as a marketer and would not interject or not have any real opinions about what other departments were doing because I honestly didn't feel like it was my place. And I've learned that, well, I mean, I've, I've obviously known that everybody has an opinion on marketing and everyone has no problem <laughs> telling me what they think we should be doing, but I've learned that that's healthy and that it's okay for me to ask a lot of questions and to even interject ideas and, and branch out a little bit. And if I see something that's not getting done, that perhaps should be getting done, not being afraid to, to step in and help out. And I think that's, that's part of being a leader is recognizing that, you know, especially in a smaller company, that, that that's what's necessary. There are no lanes. We're, we're all trying to make the business successful. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm on this team, so yeah. we're going to do this. And if you don't do that, that's your problem. It's all of our problem. So. Yeah, and I think especially to kind of that vision piece, it's one thing to have your vision and strategy for marketing, but you need to know and understand what all the other departments are doing and everyone else in the company, because it all needs to blend and be connected. Everybody has to be aligned. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's a big part of it. And I like the point of not being afraid to kind of give your opinion on something that maybe was out of your lane and you thought was out of your lane. So we, we purposely do that at Jostle where say we're doing a design review for a new product or a new marketing initiative. We pull someone from a completely different apartment and just put them in the room sometimes. And you'd be shocked how many times they point out something we have that, uh-oh, we didn't think of that. Now we need to change everything. So it, it's interesting, that kind of intermingling. Yeah, I think that's healthy. That's a great yeah. idea. So to transition a little bit, so you mentioned understanding the vision, getting everyone working on the same page. That is very close to what culture is and, and aligning culture and driving people in the same direction. So the, the topic we kicked around before this call was about owning company culture as a marketing leader. So what do you feel is, is marketing's role in that, in, in company culture? Well, I think there's so much emphasis on marketers of, you know, marketers are, are tasked with a lot of different things. You know, obviously demand generation is, is a big piece of it, but, but brand is, mm-hmm. is a huge piece of, of every marketer's job. And we tend to think of brand as the, the, physical and the visual embodiment of of what your company is right so it's the website it's the logo it's the colors it's the 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 tone of our content it's all of that right but but there's we can't control every interaction that somebody actually has with our people whether that's customer service talking to or support talking to an actual customer of ours whether it's sales talking to a prospect whether it's IT working through an issue with somebody else's developers, to to those people interacting with our company, that is our brand. When they think of message gears, they're going to think of those interactions. Uh, they're not going to think of 
you know, the, the logo or the color scheme or, or all of that. And yeah. so culture is a way I think to, to really help if you align your people and align the values within your organization and have a place that you're working where everybody feels involved and connected, every, everybody's proud to be there and everybody likes being there. Mm-hmm. I think that is part of the brand experience that permeates throughout any interaction that anybody has. And so I think, again, when somebody's talking to a, you know, somebody on support or they're talking to their account executive, those interactions embody the, the culture that, that we've, we've put forth and we've created. And so that's why I feel like as a marketing leader, it's, it's somewhat of a natural place, although it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't seem natural in, in a, in an org structure, but it's a natural place to interject and say, we have to have culture be, we have to be involved in creating and helping uh, facilitate the culture we want to be. And, and that's why I think that's important that marketing be involved there because whoever we are as a company is, is really how people are going to perceive the brand. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And you see that more and more, even on like the small microcosm that is LinkedIn nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's individual people that are writing their thoughts that are the ones actually getting traction and eyeballs. And that's associated with your brand even more than your logo and your company account and the information you're spitting out there. So I agree. There's no way to, to separate the two. Like the internal brand is going to bleed out and, and influence everything. I'm curious to get your thoughts as someone in marketing. Then something I've heard from a lot of people is longer term, they think that marketing success support is all going to kind of blend into one, uh, which is an interesting concept. So like marketing teams and, and support yeah, teams and customer success. I've spoken to a lot of people recently who think, longer term because of things like this with the the external brand those teams are eventually just either going to have to be incredibly aligned or just merge into one giant team i think it's an interesting thought i mean marketing is you know you, you generally look at particularly in b2b organizations where marketing and sales are very closely aligned and yep. that's very much an acquisition type relationship and then marketing really spreads throughout again. And this is why we're having this conversation about culture, Mm -hmm. but the retention aspect and helping have that, that story to tell that cohesive story and that relationship beyond the sale is, is, is really important. And so I think I've not heard of that, but I think that's a, an interesting viewpoint in that, you know, it's all, it's all about who your brand and your company is and it's all yeah. uh, revenue, whether it's new revenue or, or existing revenue that you want to keep. So I, I think I could, I could see that being, being the case just as, just as you could see. And, and we're all sort of used to marketing and sales being, being on this in, you know, under one umbrella. Yeah, totally. And I think it just goes back to the, everyone has to be aligned, right? Like across the entire board. Yeah. That's um, right. So we talked a little bit about, the why, like why marketers should care about this, how important the, the culture is internally and externally. I'd love to hear from your perspective, maybe either what you're doing from a culture perspective or what or steps you think marketers could take to kind of have more of an impact there. So one of the things we did, and, and of course I have the benefit of having been at a, you know, we're a small but growing company, been there a while, but I have the benefit of, you know, being there before some things were already in place. And I, and I could see there being challenges of trying to change a culture that's, that's well-established, um, yeah. right. Or trying to 
interject and take over something that's already already in place and, and perhaps has been working. Our CEO, Roger Barnett, likes to say that if you don't purposefully build the culture, then the culture will build itself. And that may be a good thing and it may not be a good thing. But once it's built, you know, you have no control over it. And so that's why really since the beginning, we've tried to, um, and I've tried to, to lead the charge there in, in creating the kind of company that we want to work for, an honest company, uh, a company that is full of people that are working toward a common goal and that, again, that like being there together. You know, we, we spend more time with folks in the office, especially on a weekly basis, than we do with our own families. And I think it's really important to not go to the office feeling like, you know, I hate this person that sits next to me. <laughs> or, you know, I think it's really important to, to make sure that everybody feels like, again, that they're they're one, one team and, and one, not to be mushy about it, but one family, right? This is a yep. your work family. So we've established, and, and I created, and was sort of the executive sponsor and still still am, this culture committee of representatives from every every department that meet once a month. And we talk about ways that, and activities that we can be doing within the company that, that bring people closer together, whether that's something silly like a field day or a, you know, a chili cook-off or something like yeah. that, or a service project that we're all going to go work on together. We're going to close the office and we're all going to go, you know, work at a soup kitchen or, or pack boxes for folks. All of that helps to, to build that. And then our, our team is also involved in office improvements and, you know, creating different office decor and, and, and room spaces and breakout zones. So there's just a lot of different areas where we've, that culture committee has been able to kind of lead the charge and keep people involved and people that don't normally work side by side together, keep them interacting. And, and again, I think that helps foster the, the closeness. We do a, a lunch roulette thing every Friday where four random people are chosen to go to lunch together and the company pays for it. And that's just an, another way of, you know, perhaps somebody in sales would never normally interact with somebody on the development team, but mm -hmm. making sure that they're, they're, talking to one another and they're getting to know each other, I think is, is a, a major part of that. And then every company meeting, we also go through our company values. We, we we're very purposeful in putting those together. It, it is sort of our, our blueprint for this is the kind of company we all want to work for. And, and we want to remind people, this is, this is what we're doing here. Obviously we put our customers first, but our employees are, are right behind that. We want to make sure that this is a great environment for people to be in. Yeah, I, I think continually going back and reinforcing those values is super important and something that some companies e either neglect or, or don't think of. And then they values just become this thing often of how the company used to be <laughs> and they don't kind of adapt and permeate through the new people. So that's super interesting that you do that. And I think we talked a little bit about the benefit externally in the sense of how your brand feels to other people. But there's also kind of the recruitment and hiring side. When you build a company and a culture like that, you're going to have better luck attracting the right people and sustaining that culture, I think, as you grow. Yes, 100%. And it, it helps, you know, people are proud to work for, for a company um, that, again, they feel involved in and that they feel like they have a hand in helping create that culture. And so, yeah, people are very proud of, of, of being involved and, and working here and, that happiness, you know, allows us to recruit better. It allows us to, to, you know, get on some of those 
uh, best places to work lists and things like yeah. that. But it also helps where we're falling short. It helps people feel a little more open to giving us honest feedback where they don't feel like, look, it's an open and honest culture. So if I have a problem with something and if I'm not, you know, being successful the way I think I should be, they feel a little bit more comfortable approaching that subject with their, with their manager versus, you know, I think if you're unsure about how it's going to be received by leadership, mm-hmm. then you, you might not do anything about, about a problem area within the workplace. So I think it helps all around. Yeah, definitely. And then if, if you don't speak up, those things are just going to simmer and usually get worse. Get worse. Uh, That's yeah. Right. And that negativity yeah. kind of spreads, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So just to tie it back to kind of the, the situation we're all in today. So most people have had to make that transition to work from home due due to COVID-19 and it's been an adjustment for all. So I'm curious how that has, or even if, if that has affected kind of your culture and how everyone feels connected now that you're, you're separated and from home. It's, it's such a funny thing that with all of this, with all of this going on and how fast moving it's all been that going remote has in a lot of ways brought us um, closer together. I know that sounds very, <laughs> very Hallmark uh, movie like, but we've, we've, there's a, a larger emphasis than even being in the office of, of making sure that we're all staying connected and together and that we're doing things that, you know, we're, we're monitoring productivity. We're being clearer about what our, our needs are from a communication standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so I think, there's no room to take for granted some things, right? It's very, very much, okay, we need people on video. We need people checking in every now and then. And I think that's been really good. So we haven't seen a productivity drop, but we've also instituted some things like, you know, our company meetings, everybody's, everybody's there. And it's great to see people's faces again, right? And it's, yeah. we, we do in the office, one of the things we normally do is a, we, we roll around a cart full of beer on, on Friday afternoons. It's beer cart Friday. And we did a virtual version of that last Friday where everybody, obviously we didn't roll a cart, but it, you know, everybody could be on camera for, for about a half an hour. And we were just, it was just a group hangout, have a drink at the end of the week. And I think, I think the shared experience of all of us kind of doing this together has really, you know, there's, it's, it's tightened our, our bond as a team because it's, it's made us more, we feel like we're, we're doing this, we're going through this period together as a team um, we're going to get through it. We'll be very resilient. And, and I, I think it's, it's been really interesting to see a lot of the worry of, oh man, we're not going to be in the same office. And, and we're in an office where historically been a little bit reluctant on, on people working remotely too much. And I think this is, this has been great for, for just seeing how well it can work and bring us together. Yeah. And I think the fact that that transition was pretty smooth is, is a bit of a testament to the culture you built right? If things were, were negative, people weren't feeling great about the company and the culture, I think that transition could be very, very rough. Um, yeah. And I also like the fact that you're doing some of those more personal things. Like the, we, we have the same thing. We have a happy hour sometimes at 4 p.m. or a coffee mm-hmm. break. Just you kind of miss the people you used to work with, right? So it's nice to be able to see them and interact in a non-work way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Thank you, Will. I really enjoyed that. It was great talking to a fellow marketer about culture. It's something obviously we're passionate about here at Jostle and in my role in particular, something I care a lot about. So 
thank you for that. And for our listeners, could you maybe let them know if they want to either connect with you or learn more about Message Gears, where they can go for that? Of course. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me. It's Will Devlin. I'm also on, on Twitter, if you can, can stand my sense of humor, at, at W. Devlin. <laughs> and then uh, Message Gears is uh, messagegears.com. And again, if you're a, a consumer-facing organization, we, we work with your, your marketing and your IT teams to, to get better use out of your data. So uh, we're here for you if you need us. Awesome. Thanks, Will. And I'll include those links uh, in the player description for our listeners so that you can access it easily. Thank All right, you, Dustin. Thanks, Will. Uh, take care in this crazy world we are in, and hopefully we talk soon. All right. Likewise. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. If you enjoyed it, please go leave us a five-star review. It means a lot. It helps others discover the podcast. And personally, I'd really appreciate it. Also, make sure you don't miss an episode. You can head over to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. And finally, thanks so much again. And feel free to reach out at Dustin at Jostle.me or connect with me on LinkedIn. Thanks.